From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT Radio. I often refer to the fact that my first campaign was 1968. I was six years old leafleting with my dad, and I've been in and around politics ever since, having been a town meeting member in Massachusetts, which I still think is the best form of local government. We didn't have a mayor, town of 27,000 people. We didn't have a mayor, didn't need one. We had town meeting. What's town meeting? Town meeting is a New England tradition where you run for town meeting. And if you're in town meeting, everything goes before town meeting. The budget, new initiatives, ordinances, everything. And it's an up or down vote. And everybody that's on town meeting gets to have a say. And in Massachusetts, we had Prop two and a half passed in 1980, thanks to Barbara Anderson. And what's that? Well, you can't raise property taxes more than two and a half percent without an override vote. And more often than not, we turned it down because it was an extravagant expense. It wasn't a well thought out project. Somebody had a brother-in-law in the concrete business and things like that. But why do I stay in politics? Why have I helped so many candidates get elected? Because I think it matters. In fact, I know it matters. Politics makes a difference. And as the old saying goes, you might not have an interest in politics, but politics sure does have an interest in you. And the left has taken advantage of our goodwill and our desire just to be left alone. Most Americans, not just Republicans, just want to do their job worship their God, raise their families, go on vacation, live their life. They don't live obsessed on politics 24-7, like, for example, people in the Beltway. There's a reason why they call it Beltway mentality, the Beltway bubble. People inside D.C. live in a completely different reality than out in what they consider to be the hinterlands and what we consider to be the heartland of this country. That's why I think Donald Trump's proposal to put various agencies out into the country was superb. Why is the Agriculture Department in Washington, D.C.? It should be in Kansas. Why is the Department of Interior in Washington, D.C.? It should be in the interior. How about Wyoming or Montana, Idaho, Utah even? Let them go skiing. Who cares? Just get them out of D.C., get them out of that mentality, get them out of that back-scratching club, as we heard. That's right. As many good people as I've met in politics, I've met some real scumbags, too. And unfortunately, the scumbags were usually the ones toward the top of the party. Not necessarily the candidates, but definitely the party apparatchiks. And most assuredly, the quote-unquote campaign consultants who live off the campaign donations every four years. Jeff DeWitt is a name you need to know. Who's Jeff DeWitt? Jeff DeWitt is the chairman of the Arizona GOP. And our gal, Carrie Lake, caught him on tape. She recorded Jeff trying to bribe her, saying that powerful people back east want her to take a pause. They don't want to get rid of her. They don't want her to, to stand down. They just want her to take a pause for two years. Why two years, you ask? Why is it okay for them that Carrie runs in two years, because in two years, it's not going to matter. And Carrie, bless her heart, was right on it. She said, no, Jeff, the fight is now. This is a hill I'm willing to die on, and they're going to have to have me murdered 
to get me to stop. You can go back and tell them that. So that kind of fearless courage is just so heartening to see. We need patriotic Americans like Donald Trump, like Carrie Lake, like several others I could mention, like Bernie Marino in Ohio. We need good, strong America first patriots to fundamentally transform the Republican Party. We don't care what the Democrats do. Let them do whatever they want to do. But the Republican Party, the Republican Party had better start standing up for we the people. Case in point, New Hampshire. Republican Party chair and the Republican Secretary of State couldn't get it done to not allow unregistered voters, uh, same-day registered voters and unaffiliated voters to vote in today's New Hampshire primary. Now, for 46 years, even though it was mostly a Republican state during that time, New Hampshire had a Democrat Secretary of State. You know, the guy was in for life, literally 46 years, from 1976 until 2022. But now they've got a Republican. And still, we're going by the old tradition of letting people who aren't Republicans vote in the Republican primary. This is what I mean when I say when Democrats win elections, Democrats set the agenda. But when Republicans win elections, Democrats still set the agenda. Why are we going by a tradition that was illegally put in place by a Democrat secretary of state when state law says you need a bylaw from the GOP convention? You need to pass a bylaw at the GOP convention and the GOP chairman has to authorize the secretary of state to allow unaffiliated voters to vote in the Republican primary, to allow same-day voters to vote in the Republican primary. Neither of those things happened. So it is illegal. If you're not a registered Republican, it is illegal to vote in today's Republican primary. Do you think anybody's going to be held accountable? No, because not even the party chairman and the Republican secretary of state cared enough to secure the election for you, granite staters. We need to get rid of all of these jamokes from every state party and especially the national party. I really want to know who the powerful people back east are that wanted Kerry to take a pause for two years. Because I guarantee you there is the root of the problem in the GOP. I'm Timothy Shea. This is The Reckoning. Are you enjoying listening to today's news talk, TNT? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, X, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I've been in the car all day and I got to listen. Can't get enough of it. You guys are doing a great job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The New Hampshire Attorney General's office says it is investigating what could be an unlawful attempt at voter suppression after NBC News reported about an alleged robocall using an imitation of resident Biden's voice generated by artificial intelligence, urging voters not to show up in New Hampshire's Tuesday primary. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Timothy. What a bunch of malarkey. Um, yeah, it's wild. Uh, on, according man. to... 
I know. Come on, man. Uh, according to A.G. John Formella in good old New Hampshire, the Granite State, my birth state, uh, his office has been receiving complaints about voters getting a call from what sounds like El Presidente Jose Biden, urging people not to vote in the January 23rd New Hampshire primary. That's today. Uh, the only problem is the robocalls did not originate with the White House and the Joe Biden vice is Joe Biden voice is artificially created, most likely. Uh, Attorney General Formella said, quote, the message appears to have been spoofed to falsely show that it had been sent by the treasurer of a political committee that has been supporting the New Hampshire Democrat presidential primary write-in efforts for President Biden. Uh, he further says, quote, these messages appear to be an unlawful attempt to disrupt the New Hampshire presidential presidential primary election and to suppress New Hampshire voters, end quote. The election law unit's investigation is ongoing. At this stage, it's unclear who is behind the hoax and what their goal was. The robocall has been made available to the public, and it begins with the phantom President Biden saying, quote, what a bunch of malarkey, end quote, a catchphrase synonymous with the 81-year-old. The message continues, quote, you know the value of voting Democratic. Our votes count. It's important that you save your vote for the November election. We'll need your help in electing Democrats up and down the ticket. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. Your vote makes a difference in November, not this Tuesday. If you would like to be removed from future calls, please press 2 now, end quote. Now, people should have been tipped off right away because they could understand what he was saying. Uh, anyway, uh, the call also includes the personal number of Kathy Sullivan, a former state party chair and leader within Granite for America. That's a super PAC supporting President Biden. However, according to her statements to the media, this was done without her consent or knowledge. <sighs> Ms. Sullivan said, Quote, this call links back to my personal cell phone number without my permission. It is outright election interference and clearly an attempt to harass me and other New Hampshire voters who are planning to write in Joe Biden on Tuesday, end quote. And A.G. Formella says New Hampshire voters should disregard the content of this fake message entirely, saying, quote, voting in the New Hampshire presidential primary election does not preclude a voter from additionally voting in the November general election, end quote. Well, thanks for making that clear. Uh, anyone who has received the call is also encouraged to send an email to the Department of Justice Election Law Unit identifying the date and time that they received the call, the contents of the call, and any other relevant information. So, but yeah, this is opening up discussion already, Timothy, about uh, concerns that artificial intelligence uh, being used to create these types of things, fake messages. Uh, there was a Democrat from New York, Representative Joseph Morell, sent a letter to the DOJ calling for an investigation into this. There's a lot of finger pointing uh, and whatnot. And uh, I believe the primary is going on pretty much as we speak. But what do you think about all this? Well, you're absolutely correct. AI is going to be increasingly an issue, not just with audio, but with video as well. With We've seen deep fake videos that are getting pretty darn good. In fact, if you look at video games over the last 20 years, they've gotten very lifelike. And to the point where a lot of times people think they're watching a football game and it's actually just a video loop of a 
uh, Madden NFL um, game, video game. So that's going to be an issue. What what do I think about all this? <clears throat> I find it curious that the Republican Attorney General is all agog and ready to investigate this and seems to have no problem with the fact that against state law, in violation of New Hampshire state law, Republican primary uh, unaffiliated and uh, same-day registrant voters are allowed to vote in the Republican primary. Why isn't he investigating that? that? This is all just a distraction. And it's also a distraction from the fact that the Democrat primary in New Hampshire doesn't matter. The DNC has said they are not going to seat the delegates from New Hampshire in the convention this summer. So what's the what's the point? Where's the voter suppression? You can't suppress a vote when the vote doesn't count. This is just an exercise in futility for the Democrats today. Biden's not on the ballot, so the DNC said, okay, we're not going to seat your delegates. So why are they even having a primary? And so what? That somebody had a robocall. Um, I think it might be somebody just having a little bit of fun. And clearly, by starting it off with, you know, what a load of malarkey and spoofing the uh, Democrat PAC chairwoman. So is it good? No, but shenanigans have happened all throughout history with politics. This is a tempest in a teapot. They're making such a big deal out of it to distract from the real issue, which is the fact that the Democrat National Committee is disenfranchising Democrats in New Hampshire. Very nice. And it's all in the words, isn't it? They're not they're not saying that it is voter suppression. They're saying all oh, this could be an unlawful attempt at voter suppression. What a bunch yeah. of like the, the the gymnastics in your mind you gotta go through to figure that out. Um very, very interesting stuff. Um I think it's more than anything, uh number one, to inject the this conversation about because they really want everyone to think that artificial intelligence is gonna somehow screw with people's abilities to uh vote. Uh, mm -hmm. So we're going to see a lot of these types of shenanigans. Uh, so there's that. Um, there's also the distraction, as you mentioned. Um, and I think ultimately what they're hoping is that people are going to run with the headlines, see this and just assume without even any official right. uh, confirmation that this was clearly some mega Trump tard did this. Uh, they're evil people. Bad. Let's vote for Biden. Yeah. You know. And again, who's Same behind old. it? It's a Republican sitting in the attorney general's office. So, you know, what's he doing? Come on. We need to fundamentally transform the Republican Party at every level. That's a good point. I didn't realize he was a Republican. The AG. Yeah, he's a Republican. <laughs> the Secretary of State's Republican. The governor's a Republican. And yet New Hampshire is one of the most corrupt states in the country with regard to election integrity. It's horrible up there. So a lot of work to be done cleaning up the Republican Party, Adam. Thanks for a great story. You're listening to The Reckoning on today's News Talk, TNT. TNT's Steve Malzberg. If a president could be prosecuted for things he did, which he believed and was advised by his lawyers, what, what was was the duty of the president to do, and then after the fact, after he's president, he could be prosecuted. The example has come up today many times. Well, when Joe Biden leaves office, he could be prosecuted for not securing the border. Barack Obama um, okayed drone strikes against American citizens overseas. He could be prosecuted for murder. I mean, 
this opens up a whole can of worms. Um, Pandora's box, I think, is the term that uh, that Trump used. Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. Plug in. Website. TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. Dr. Harvey Risch is Professor Emeritus of Epidemiology at the Yale School of Public Health and the Yale School of Medicine. He received his MD degree from the University of California at San Diego in his PhD in the Mathematical Modeling of Infectious Epidemics from the University of Chicago. After serving as a postdoctoral fellow in epidemiology at the University of Washington, Dr. Risch was a faculty member in epidemiology and biostatistics at the University of Toronto before coming to Yale. Dr. Risch's research interests are in the areas of cancer etiology, meaning where cancer arises, prevention and early diagnosis, and in epidemiological methods. His major research projects have included studies of ovarian cancer, pancreatic cancer, lung cancer, bladder cancer, esophageal and stomach cancer, and of cancers related to usage of oral contraceptives and non-contraceptive estrogens. Dr. Risch is associate editor of the Journal of the National Cancer Institute, the editor of the International Journal of Cancer, and for six years was a member of the board of editors of the American Journal of Epidemiology. Dr. Risch is an author of more than 400 peer-reviewed research publications in the medical literature, and those research papers have been cited by other scientific publications more than 52,000 times. He's currently the Director of Epidemiology for The Wellness Company. You can find out more at twc.health. It's my great pleasure to welcome back to The Reckoning, Dr. Harvey Risch. Great to be with you. Dr. Rish, I mentioned in the introduction that etiology means how a disease arises, what, what gives rise to it. We're seeing an awful lot of cancers lately, mostly in the last two and a half years since a mod RNA gene therapy injection was mandated by the government and various employers. What's going on with this bloom of cancers? What really might be causing it and, and how might it be doing that? Well, it's an interesting story and hard to know in quantitative detail. It looks like something is truly going on, but it's going to take some time until we have a, a real better handle on it. What's started happening is that oncologists started reporting seeing strange, fast-growing cancers that they somehow called turbo cancers, 
that these are people they normally they see a spectrum of cancers in different disease stages some of them are confined to the organ they start some are metastatic disease they know the balance that they usually see and they were seeing patients young patients with these cancers that have grown way beyond where they would have expected to see them and that's not their usual presentation so they knew something was happening that was unusual and they've also started seeing recurrence of cancers that should have been in remission. So for example, breast cancer, when it occurs in women in their 50s or 60s, it goes into remission after initial treatments and recurs in their 70s and 80s. But these were women who five years later were coming out of remission and having aggressive cancers different than what they had started with. And so this unusual picture was suggesting that there was a, a problem. And this is that really occurred over the last year or year and a half, say. Now, cancer as a whole takes a long time to develop. The solid tumors that I've been talking about take between 10, 20 years to grow from when the first cancer cell starts and starts growing as a clone of cells and reproducing until it gets diagnosed because it's symptomatic, say. Whereas the blood cancers, leukemias and lymphomas, are shorter. They take maybe two to three years and, until they get diagnosed, usually by a lab test from a, a, um, an annual physical exam. And those were happening, all have been happening also. But if you go to national cancer statistics, so for example, the SEER statistics, which is online in the United States, there's comparable statistics in Canada. I'm sure Australia probably has some as well, that we don't have cancer statistics from the last year, from 2023, or even from 2022. In fact, the most recent year of cancer statistics in the U.S. that's generally available to the scientists is 2020. And so everything that's reported now, statistically speaking, is extrapolation from earlier years. So we can't really tell yet anything on a quantitative basis other than things like cancer patients are saying, I can't get a, um, a, an, a, an appointment with my oncologist for three months. Normally I could get it within a couple of weeks, but now he's booked up for three months these kinds of anecdotal stories that suggest something is going on, the strange kinds of cancers that are being discovered rather than the standard cancer fare, so to speak, that, that oncologists see, suggest that there is something going on, but we don't have a good quantitative handle on it yet. Now, there's mechanisms for this, for why the vaccines might have led to this kind of picture, the, the, the COVID so-called COVID vaccines. And that is that cancer is a kind of a battle with cells just want to be cells and do what cells do, and the immune system that keeps cells being normal. And I say that because you have to realize that we as adult humans grow from embryos that, that the cells replicate and develop organs, and the organs grow in size you know, throughout childhood to adolescence and become final size. And we don't those, want those organs growing forever. We want them to stop growing when they're adult size. And so there's biological clocks in our genetics that turns off the growth of, of these organs and the cells in them. But the cells are poised to reproduce if those clocks get unlocked. And that's really what happens, what, what cancer does. However, when cat cells go cancerous, they become deranged and they put all sorts of strange molecules on their outsides as they start making proteins that aren't supposed to be there. And because of that, the immune system sees this and says, oh, that cell's foreign. It's, it's not a normal me cell. And so it says, I have to take that out. And that's what the immune system does. It's a kind of immune surveillance 
to take out growing new cancer cells. Now, if you interfere with the ab ability of the immune system to function, you, you reduce the immune system's ability to do the surveillance, then things will escape the surveillance and come out early. And that is the kind of the general picture of, I think, what's been happening, that people who've had multiple vaccine of the COVID vaccines that have acted as such a, such a strong stimulus to the immune system have caused the immune system to shudder, I would put it. And, and it has uh, increasing ability to recognize these abnormal cancer cells when it does its normal surveillance, then that has allowed them to escape immune surveillance. That's my general kind of lay understanding of what's been going on. That was my understanding as well. In fact, I've heard it referred to as vaccine-acquired immunodeficiency syndrome or VADES. And I'd like to dig into what that might mean, not just with regard to cancer, but other diseases after these news headlines. You're listening to The Reckoning on today's News Talk, TNT. Great news. The news. We have news. Great news. Great news. Great news. Great news, my friends. Yeah. Listen. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Former President Donald Trump expressed his concerns about the primary election rules in New Hampshire. Speaking to the press outside a polling place at Londonbury, New Hampshire, at around 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Trump highlighted the unusual aspect of the state's voting laws. The U.S. and British militaries bombed multiple targets in eight locations used by the Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen on Monday night, the second time the two allies have conducted coordinated retaliatory strikes on an array of the rebels' missile-launching capabilities. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda, it never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Dr. Rish, as you mentioned, as we develop from embryos, there's three germ layers, each layer, endoderm, mesoderm, endoderm, or exoderm, develops into different organs. And at some point, it, they know when to stop. For example, contact inhibition. Cells will reproduce and reproduce and reproduce and reproduce until they bump up against other cells. And they say, okay, we're, we're where we're supposed to be. We're, we're in the... In the uh, organic matrix, this organ, this liver is, is finished growing, so we're gonna stop right now. And what happens in a cancerous cell is somehow that system gets overridden and the cell just starts to reproduce and reproduce. You mentioned solid tumors. One of the things they require in order to grow in size is to be vascularized, to have their own blood supply. What are we seeing in terms of increased vascularization and the rapidity at which tumors are being vascularized in people that have gotten the jab? Well, that's a good question. And I don't really know the specifics of that and how these tumors have basically been um, able to grow faster and, and develop their, their blood supplies. Most solid tumors actually grow faster than they can get blood. And so they become necrotic dead cells in the insides of them, and they're only semi-living parts on the outer parts of them. 
So how they, they accomplish that and why that doesn't dissuade them from being tumor cells, I don't know, but that's the way they work. Definitely something to be investigated. And really, all of medical science should be hitting the brakes on this mod RNA technology. There are so many unanswered questions and so many studies that need to be done so that we actually know what is real and, and what is artifact, what is what is real and what's anecdotal, that we need to be stopping this development of this technology. And instead, they're doubling down, they're rolling it out into more and more and more diseases. In fact, they've already started developing the vaccine to disease X, which hasn't even been characterized yet. They don't even know what disease X is going to be, but they've got a vaccine on the way. Well, to me, disease X is a fiction, that there is no disease X. And if there is a disease X, it will be because it's intentionally released that there's disease X was so named in 2018 it was picked up by Bill Gates in, in 2020, who started fear-mongering about disease X. This is now uh, being pushed by the World Health Organization, which fears the world not succumbing to its pandemic treaty that, that allows the WHO to get control of, of world governments. And so it's fear-mongering, and disease X is the fear porn du jour, that, that trying to rouse people in fear so they will make irrational judgments and decisions that has characterized the whole COVID period, you know, in, in gross excess of, of normal reasoning. And so there's no reason why disease X should be anything other than any of the other 200 uh, or so um, agents that get out of bio labs across the world every year. Um, we have, um, a ridiculous bioweapons industry that has no plausible rationale for its existence. And that's been going on for 20 or 30 years, uncontrolled, unchecked, unsupervised. And from those labs, not just the United States and, and everywhere else in the world, from those labs escape two or 300 of these organisms every year. Well, between 2020, when disease X was, was being pushed and now, that's 800 organisms that have all have come out and there's no disease X. So the likelihood of, of a real disease X happening by chance from accidental release is about zero. The likelihood it's going to be any more virulent than COVID is about zero. There's no reason to think that. All of this stuff is fear-mongering, just the way yellow journalism used to sell you know, its product back in, in the United States, at least in the 1920s and 30s, so the WHO is yellow journalism itself to try to, to get a, a successful buy-in to, to the, the pandemic treaty. Sure, and more and more control for them, as you said, at the expense of the national sovereignty of the individual countries. I was talking with Todd Callender last night about, how, you know, it seems that they think that there's a medical emergency exception to the United States Constitution, which, of course, isn't there. And we need to fight against that. It is fear mongering. It is fear porn. And it needs to be seen as such. However, what makes me afraid is the recent revelation that in China, they've developed a coronavirus. And we know now generally the 
coronavirus is a family. Like when they first came out, they kept calling it the coronavirus. And I was running around telling people there is no the coronavirus. It's a family of viruses. 40% to 60% of the common colds are caused by coronavirus. But so we've got a very contagious coronavirus now that attacks the brain that's 100% fatal, developed in a Chinese virology lab. That actually terrifies me. Well, two things. Number one, it's developed in rats or mice. So I feel bad for them and that, you know, the cats are going to lose their their food supply, uh, the way things are going. There's no evidence that it's going to do the same in people. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, if that were to get out, that would be an act of war against the entire world. Whether it's an accidental release or not, it is not an accidental production. That is funded research by the Chinese government. Whether or not we had a role in that, we might have supp supplied the genetic tools and the techniques from the last 20 or 30 years of virology research in the US, but we are not doing that particular work as far as I know, as far as what I've seen in, in grant support from NIH. And the, the Chinese should be put on notice that if that gets out to any degree, outside of China. They're going to have to deal with it if it's in China. But if it gets out outside of China, it's an act of war against the whole rest of the world and should be treated as, as such. It is, but we should be developing those either. And the rationale is, I know that we need to develop these to develop antidotes in case somebody else develops them and uses them as a, a weapon of war. And it's like, well, that's, but that's, that's actually, how we... That's, it's not real. It's not a real reason. If somebody exactly. launches a bioweapon against us, we respond with conventional arms, chemical arms, nuclear arms, depending on proportionality. You don't right. need to respond with a bioweapon against a bioweapon. That's absurd. Secondly, for all of the bioweapons research that we have done, there has been not one vaccine successfully made against the, the things that exactly. people have worked yes. on. There's been no, yeah. no research on those vaccines to actually make them. The whole thing has been a fraud covering up the uh, offensive production of, of, of bioweapons agents as if they, this was dual use research in order to make vaccines when the vaccines has been a fraud. And in fact, that is the whole motivation for why we suffered from the COVID vaccines and having to endure them as a population because that was the excuse for why they were making the, these, these COVID right. engineered viruses in the first place so that there would be a vaccine. Now we have to show the vaccine as a result of, of that. Otherwise it's very clear that the whole bioweapons industry was a fraud. Yeah, it's all been a scam, and you're exactly correct. If the UN and the WHO actually want to do something good for humanity, we'll have a bioweapons treaty that bans them, just like we've banned mustard gas and a lot of the chemical weapons. Okay, we That's need right. to do we that with like these we bioweapons. We have a nuclear treaty right. with nuclear inspectors. We need to have bioweapons inspectors and have the same regime that the civilized world participates in. Exactly, and Fort Detrick needs to be shut down, period. That's probably true, but it's not the only place. No, well, I know it's not the only place, but that's that's the most famous place. Yeah, yeah. We we had how many in uh, Ukraine, which is one of the main reasons why we're over there now is covering our tracks with all the bio labs we funded in Ukraine. It's um, well, it, it's right. gotten way it's gotten way out of hand, and we need to rein it back in. And I, I want to talk to you a, a little more about how we can do that after these words from TNT. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost, 
the International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. But the danger to animals the world over is growing, and the need for your help has never been more urgent. On land, you'll help stop poachers from threatening and killing elephants and big cats for the illegal wildlife trade. In the oceans, you'll help rescue dolphins, whales, and seals from deadly hazards. And you'll help rescue, rehabilitate, and release vulnerable animals when disasters strike. Here at home and around the world, we can't do this work without you. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go, but I did ask for help and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there, providing hot meals, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed and I'm succeeding. To learn more, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. Political neutrality, not with Timothy Shea. This is The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Dr. Rish, I know that you have experience in Canada, having been a postdoc at the University of Toronto. Uh, there's interesting news coming out of Canada, isn't there? Well, I, so in Canada, we had, during the, the COVID mandatory vaccination period, the truckers who were protesting having to be revaccinated, vaccinated or revaccinated in order to cross back and forth between the United States. They could come into the U.S. They couldn't get back into Canada with, with without uh, showing proof of being revaccinated. They they protested that in a civil and legal fashion by driving their trucks to Ottawa. And because the government in Ottawa did not like the message that they were conveying, it declared a national emergency and froze the bank accounts uh, of those truckers and anybody who gave money to the truckers through any of a number of, of different uh, charitable contribution mechanisms. Well, this uh, the government was sued and in a Canadian federal court, the judge just found that the government acted illegally in declaring a national emergency, that the cir circumstances of, of an emergency weren't being met. And secondly, that the freezing of bank accounts was not a legal action on the part of, of the government, even if, if it were a so-called national emergency that was still unconstitutional. And the government about 10 minutes later said they were going to appeal and remains to be seen where this goes up the court system there. Well, hopefully the highest court in Canada will rule similarly. Courts generally around the world, not just in Canada, but generally defer to the other branches of government so it's important here that it found not only that the requirements for an emergency did not exist, but that the remedy chosen to freeze bank accounts was outside the bounds as well. So those are two huge losses for uh, Justin Trudeau's government. I don't know whether this will mean the end of his reign of error in Canada, but hopefully it could be the first step down that path. Well, I hope so. Uh, you know, it, these are government overreactions and overresponses. And unfortunately, it's not just talking about them. People were hurt by these overreactions. 
needlessly. One of the problems I have in it, deploymentbrands.com, we support our military, we support our veterans, our first responders, police and fire, but I've got a real problem with law enforcement officers that are not upholding their oath either to the United States Constitution, to whatever oath they take in Canada or the United Kingdom. We saw a video over the weekend of a piano player at a train station in London. And he was surrounded by a small crowd, including a group of Chinese, Chinese nationals, that were holding Chinese flags in London. And the piano player was having his performance filmed and streamed to his YouTube channel. And all of a sudden, one of these Chinese gentlemen got in the face of the piano player and demanded that he stop showing their faces and that they have a right to uh, not have their image shown, et cetera. He's like, mate, you're in England. We're not in China. You were in the United Kingdom. This is a free country. You're in a public space. I can film whatever I want. And, and the confrontation went on for 15 minutes or so. And the man was, the piano player was very calm. And he's like, no, no, I have no obligation to obey Chinese law in the United Kingdom. And then the police get involved. And this woman, Bobby, comes over and she absolutely disgraced her uniform because she was trying to be the jackbooted thug enforcing the totalitarian demands of the Chinese nationals over one of her own citizens. Instead of telling the Chinese, sorry, that's, you know, when in Rome, she instead tried to enforce Chinese law in London. And God love them, the piano player was having none of it. But it's been a big problem around the world that law enforcement officers are using the Nuremberg defense of just following orders instead of upholding their oath of office and more importantly, upholding the law in a society that's supposed to be a society of laws. Well, it is true that we're supposed to, uh, police officers are officers of the state and are supposed to understand the laws of the state, what they can and can't do, what they should and shouldn't do. And it's not a political position and it doesn't mean you have to agree or disagree. Uh, there's no expectation of privacy in the public domain in any democratic country. And that applies to UK, United States, Australia, wherever. And in fact, in London, there's cameras all over everywhere anyway. So they were being filmed right. whether they liked it or not. You know, and uh, if they didn't want to be filmed, they had the choice to turn around and walk away. That's, that's and your choice. If you don't want to be filmed, turn around and walk away. You don't have the right to demand to be somewhere and not be filmed at the same time. There's no expectation. Exactly. That right. And that's exactly the choice that our piano player uh, gave to them. And instead they ran to the cops and, and the cops, you know, this, this officer, shame on her, shame on her for, for trying to, to shut down the free speech of, of one of her fellow citizens. But we've seen that all too often, whether it be the trucker protest in Ottawa, whether it be a protest in London, there seems to be a group of people they never shut down though. They never seem to shut down BLM. They never seem to sh shut down any of the pro-Palestinian protesters. If that had been a MAGA crowd outside the White House a couple of weeks ago, uh, you'd still be hearing the hue and cry and there absolutely would have been arrests, but because they were uh, anti-Semitic Arabs and Arab supporters, not a problem. We seem to have two standards of justice
in the Western world today. And it's, it's a problem everywhere. Well, I agree with you. I just heard it. Uh, Concordia College in, in Canada, I'm not sure if it's in Alberta or Montreal um, or uh, Ontario, which one of them, that the Jewish students there wanted to have a um, set up a booth just to provide information about the, the war in, in Gaza. And the administration said, we're not letting you do it because we're afraid we can't protect you shirking its responsibility to maintain a civil campus and not um, punishing people who would make it uncivil, who would threaten other students for their legal free speech, their ethical free speech. You cannot have, you cannot succumb to bullying. You have to stand up. And if an institution won't stand up, then change the leaders. Those leaders are not leaders of the institutions. That's exactly what needs to be done. Yet they're going after Jordan Peterson's license to practice uh, psychiatry. He's a well-known uh, psychologist in addition to being a public speaker. In fact, his public speaking arose out of his practice in psychology and they're going after his license uh, because they don't like how he's exercising his free speech. That's right. Lots of doctors have faced that for making uh, posts on social media talking about their opinions of the vaccines, the COVID vaccines, that under the guise of professionalism, these regulatory bodies of the state have been trying to suppress messages that they don't like, that are not related to the truth of what's being said. There's no relationship to the truth. It's only a relationship to what these bodies don't want doctors to be saying that affects something about their particular messaging. Paul Harvey had a great essay back in the 1960s of if I were the devil, what would I do? I take uh, prayer out of the schools. I would, and he listed all the things that had been happening culturally. I kind of appropriated that. And I said, for one example, if you wanted to destroy the relationship of trust between doctor and patient, between doctor and pharmacist, what would you do differently than what was done in, in COVID? And the answer, of course, is nothing, but there's a silver lining to that. Great doctors such as, as yourself and your colleagues at the wellness company, Peter McCullough and others came together, formed your own online practices, as it were. And it's not just the wellness company, but there are a lot of different providers now of medical services and advice and prescriptions and in various ways that people can take care of their own health uh, using the guidance of doctors that actually care about helping their patients live better lives. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the wellness company, how it came into being and what services you provide? Well, I got into the wellness company at a time uh, a year and a half ago or so when there was a very clear need that doctors were being increasingly curtailed as to how they could treat their patients according to their, their knowledge and experience. This was formulaic medicine, that doctors were being forced to join group practices, that they were being threatened with no referrals if they didn't join. And then they were told once they joined that they had to not prescribe this, only prescribe that, and not treat patients as individuals, but according to issues that the practice wanted manifest. And of course, this is related either to political issues, economic issues that the practice was seeing and not 
on medical issues that doctors knew that they had been using for treating their patients. And so when we had the ability to create a telemedicine company that provides face-to-face -face Zoom telemedicine care, mostly primary care, but some a little bit of, of specialties, then we had an opportunity to reevaluate and to stand up and say, look, these doctors are going to do what they think is best. We're offering patients a real way of, of interacting. And we're making it clear that we have everything, all the armamentarium that doctors are legally allowed to prescribe to be able to prescribe should they think it's in the patient's interest. And that's how we got started. At the same time, we recognized that there were increasing, increasing problems with the COVID vaccine, that people have been talking about the spike protein and its damage for a year, year and a half before that, and exploring nutritional supplement methods of things that might help to take the spike protein apart. The spike protein is a protein. And that means that there are enzymes, and in fact, enzymes in some foods, that will break up proteins into the constituent parts. So there's, there's some of them that are in pineapple and other things that are these kinds of enzymes. One of them is called natokinase. There's another other kinase enzymes that are in foods and that have been shown in lab experiments to help to take apart the spike protein. And so it was reasoned that if people would, could consume these things, that damage that was being caused by the spike protein circulating in the blood and sticking to the walls of the blood vessels and creating in, in inflammation could be ameliorated by doing that. And it was tested to see whether the natokinase in supplements at um, consumable, tolerable doses would actually get in and into the body and not be broken up as a protein itself in the, uh, in the gut. And indeed, some small amounts do get in. And so it's being tried as one of uh, an array of, of supplements that the wellness company has been providing. And it's been, Peter McCullough has been treating his patients with long COVID and long vaccine disabilities with natokinase-based uh, supplements. They seem to be helping over the course of about two to three months. They seem to be ameliorating the symptoms of things. So we're optimistic that some of these kinds of supplements can, uh, can help to reduce some of the damage that this pandemic has caused. Which is great because I have people all the time asking me, you know, I, I was made to get the jab because of my work and now I'm worried. I don't have any symptoms, but I just want to make sure that nothing's going to happen long term. And I, I consistently refer them to the wellness company because, that, as you said, that protocol is proving promising. And really, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And it's much better to get rid of the spike proteins that you already have in your body. And some people are getting them just by uh, shedding from people that were uh, vaccinated. I had uh, a woman on who was a massage therapist for elite athletes, and she developed uh, problems from the spike protein that she absorbed through her hands by just massaging uh, athletes all day long. And if you take this uh, collection of enzymes and, and the other, I guess you'd call them nutraceuticals, that uh, you can, if you can rid your body of any spike protein that you might have, it's it's better to do it before you develop a disease state rather than trying to treat the disease state that the spike protein causes. Uh, that's all true, and you know we're in pretty much uncharted territory at this point. 
these uh, supplements run something plus or minus like $60 a month for a, a month worth mm -hmm. of treatment. It's, it's, it's not cheap per se compared to generic things, but then again, they have six or seven ingredients in them. And if you were going to buy each one, you hey, know, $2 a, a day is less than a cup of coffee, right? Yeah. So we're not talking about a huge investment in, in doing this over two or three months to see if there's benefit. If there is great, you might want to stay on it. If there's not okay, you gave it a good try, or at least you didn't notice that anything improved. It may have right. anyway for all we know. And as uh, my favorite Jewish booby used to say, it couldn't hide. <laughs> these are all these are all healthy healthy ingredients derived from food that uh, you know the Lord really gave us everything we need. We didn't need John D. Rockefeller coming in and creating an entire pharmacopoeia from uh, petroleum products, did we? Well, I'm not going to say that that the the drug armamentarium has not been useful. It's been critically useful for many things, but well, like antibiotics, for example, is, certainly, yeah. But yeah, but you know, we we overdo things. We push things well beyond their rational right. uh, limits, and, and and you know, too much drugs, too many drugs can be bad in it in itself, and you don't want to do that and create more problem th than you needed. You know, right now there's great discussion about overtreatment for diabetes, about uh, statin usage. All of this is the great uncertainty at this point. I'm not saying that one shouldn't be using those treatments, but but there's some degree of uncertainty as scientific and medical knowledge evolves over time. Well, exactly. And as you say, a, a little bit can be fine, but a lot, no good. You go to France and get a an ice cream cone and they give you a scoop about the size of a golf ball and you get a small cone here and it's it's two big scoops each about a pint of ice cream it seems so you know that's that's one thing we do do we do tend to overdo it and uh we need to watch that tendency as well dr harvey rish the wellness company twc.health cannot thank you enough for coming back on the reckoning it's a great pleasure as always to speak with you thank you great to any, be with you any final words well everybody should be taking vitamin d that's independent of everything else that we've been talking about. Everybody, uh, there's a, a large fraction of the population is has inadequate vitamin D in their blood. And so everybody should be taking it. It's cheap, generic, uh, safe, uh, and, and you can take a dose of 5,000 units a day and, and, it's, and that, it's the best thing you can do for your immune system. That's important because as we talked about already tonight, the immune system helps clear your body from cancer cells before they become problematic. Again, Dr. Rich, can't thank you That's enough. Right. Folks, go to twc.health and find out more. You owe it to yourself to take good care of yourself. That's it for tonight's Reckoning. Stay tuned on TNT for the Havorier Moritz Show. I'm Timothy Shea. Until next time, God bless you. God bless these United States. Keep fighting the good fight.